Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Am I the only one that that music makes you want to go? Dun, 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 dun. I do, I really do. That's what I want to do. Who hurts you? That's an interesting question. Ask in the video, a man's anger out of control. How many people can identify with that guy's feelings a lot around the house? Anybody? Okay, five honest people. The rest are liars. All right, I can identify with that so much. Listen, today the question is, is I'm saved. Why am I so angry? I'm saved. Why am I still so angry? Why do I allow these anger outbursts to come about in my life? What is it? What is it that's deep within me that's allowing this anger to bubble up to the surface so easy? And today I think we can look at a text of scripture. A lot of people may be confused uh, by, by this. A lot of people, this may be the first time you've heard this, or it may be the first time that you have connected, connected the story <clears throat> with the reasoning behind the story. And today I want to look at Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 3. We're going to be in two different texts today. But Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 3. You guys have heard this story before. If you've been to church much, you've heard this story before. It's the anointing at Bethany of Christ. And here's what it says. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. And then Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And he didn't lie because we're discussing it today. Then, Jesus, uh, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. Well, that's interesting. How in the world do we go from having a woman who spent a, a year's wages anointing someone's head to immediately the story clicks and says, wait a minute. Then from that point, because that happened, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus. They had delighted when they heard why he had come and promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So we need more to the story. So John chapter 12 then fills in a few other details. So John chapter 12 starting in verse 1. I'll turn over to it. John chapter 12 starting in verse 1. 
Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary uh, took a 12-ounce uh, jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet and wiping it with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. And all of a sudden, what happened? Judas Iscariot, disciple who would soon betray him, that perfume is worth a, a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And then the next verse tells you the real motivation behind Judas Iscariot. Here's what it said. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And then Jesus says, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The reality of the situation is this. Judas Iscariot betrayed Christ. This was the literally the straw that broke the camel's back. This was the straw. And it had to do with money. It had to do with the expense of this perfume. And he was angry. He became angry at the woman and he became angry at the situation because he was a thief and he wanted to take the money for himself. And so this was, I want you to think about this, the anger that he had for this situation is what prompted him then to go and to betray Christ. It was the caveat beforehand. It was what made him do what he did. Judas was the money man. But as the text says in John, he was also a thief. And he was angry at the waste and getting, here it is, getting reprimanded that he was wrong. No one wants to get reprimanded that they're wrong. Even though the scripture says that wounds from a friend can be trusted, someone who loves you enough to tell you a hard thing, if you have a relationship with that person and they love you enough to tell you a hard thing, those things, the Bible says, I don't say it, the Bible says that those wounds, those things that kind of hurt you when someone tells you a truth, those things can be trusted. Why is that? Because they have your best interest at heart. But he was angry that he had been reprimanded. And he let that he let that take him to a place that it never should have gone. The anger that he felt from losing this income. And on top of that, Jesus immediately saying, hey, let her do what she's going to do. Let her do what she's going to do. Judas was angry. And it led to the betrayal of Christ. I love what John Piper says about anger. Here's what he says. I believe we have the quote. It says, anger devours almost all other good emotions. It deadens the soul. It numbs, I love this, it numbs the heart to joy and gratitude and hope and tenderness and compassion and kindness. It numbs the heart. Anger numbs the heart so that it's almost impossible, and I would say it is impossible, to feel joy and gratitude and hope and tenderness and compassion 
and kindness. We all know people that walk around angry. We all know people that struggle with anger. And at times, we too can struggle with anger. I tell you this all the time, but bitterness and anger destroy the vessel that it's housed in. Bitterness and anger destroy the vessel that it's housed in. I've often told you the story about the time that my son was getting messed over during football. There was a situation where my son was, was not starting. Uh, there was other older kids on the team and things like that. And so he wasn't starting, but the team was, getting, was winning 42 to nothing. And let me just let you guys know, when you have a younger kid on the team, 42 to nothing is the time when you put the younger kids in. And this coach didn't do that. He kept the starters in. And it went to 49 to nothing. And then 56 to nothing. And then 63 to nothing. And all the parents around were kind of rumbling like, what is going on here? Why didn't he? And he never put the younger kids in. He never allowed them to go in. And I was ticked off. I was angry. And it wasn't righteous anger. You know, there's a righteous anger. No, I'm the other way. I was just mad. Okay. And we got to the car and I told Wendy, I said, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over and I'm going to let that coach have it. I'm going to wait right here and I'm going to go over. And when he walks up, I'm going to let him have it. Wendy worked with the coach, by the way. Co-worker. And she sat there quietly, as she's done too many times with me when I'm mad. And she said this. She said, you can do that. But I know you. In 15 minutes from now, you're going to feel guilty. 15 minutes from now, you're going to regret it. And you know what I said? No, I'm not actually. I'm not going to regret it. I'm going to feel great. I may even punch him. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Local pastor punches coach. That would be great, wouldn't it? I wonder if our leadership team would have something to say about that. Hopefully not, but probably. She said, you're going to regret it. And she was right. And so I sat in the vehicle. And the next day, I thought to myself, I'm really glad that I didn't say anything to that coach. Because my brain was shut off and my anger had taken over. Bitterness and anger destroy the vessel that it's housed in. But here's the question. I'm saved, right? I can go even a step further with me. I'm a preacher. Why is there anger sometimes still within me? Why is that? See, I was raised a ginger. All right? And I didn't know this, but if you're a, if you're a redhead, some people, some, some redheads don't like being called a ginger. I don't care. I think it's funny. I'm a ginger. In the beard only currently, but I am a ginger. It, 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 was, I would, it would be in the back if I grew my hair out, but I would have the little cul-de-sac thing. But, but I would be a ginger. I would be a ginger. I promise you I would. And if I, I, I didn't realize this. When you're born as a ginger, they give you over to the parents, and then the nurse fills out a card, and it's a get-out-of-free anger card because you're a ginger, so you're supposed to be angry, Right? We've seen people in stores, and we'll be walking through, and, it's, and the little brown-headed kid is always so patient, but the ginger's going, and he's got the eyes, and I'm like, oh, he's a ginger. Yep, he's a ginger. I didn't realize that, but that was true. That was true. What's the truth of the matter? The truth of the matter is, 
is that if I am saved, then God's work within me is supposed to be working with me on a deeper level where those things begin to fade away. And, and God's grace and wisdom and Holy Spirit's guidance and counsel is supposed to be leading the way. So if I'm saved, why am I still so angry? Well, the first thing is this. Anger is a sign of something deeper. I want you to realize that. The question was, was who hurt you? Who is it that hurt you? Anger is a sign of something much deeper. John Piper says that our emotions are a gauge, not a guide. And I want you to hear that. Our emotions are meant to be a gauge for us. Whenever I'm driving my vehicle, I'm driving, and these days I dread it, but my vehicle starts to go down toward that E, right? And then I have to go take a second mortgage and fill it up again. But it starts going down toward that E. And, and listen, can I tell you something? I have no idea. I, I don't stop and get a, you know, a, a flashlight and go out into the tank and say, yep, it's quarter of a tank. No, because I have a gauge on my vehicle. And the gauge tells me this, you're getting close to empty. There's an issue here. Okay, I have the same thing whenever you're driving. And hey, can I, can I tell you this? The worst thing in the world is to be driving about a month before you have to go get your emissions test and for that check engine light to come on, isn't it? Isn't that the worst thing in the world? Bing! Check engine. Well, can I tell you something? That doesn't tell me, that doesn't tell me what's going on. See, I have to dig deeper. And I want you to hear this spiritual thing here. I have to dig deeper into the alert. I have to dig deeper into the gauge to see what is it that's actually causing the check engine light to come on. What is it that's causing this fuel to go low? Well, you're driving too fast or you're out of gas or you've driven too many miles. And so I have to go to that source and see why that's the case on a check engine light. And so I go to someone that's a master in that. And for you and I, the master is God himself. He's the one that can let me know. But it's a sign of something deeper. Emotions reflect things that are on the inside. And anger points to something deeper. There's a, there's a, a very famous, very famous speaker uh, I read a lot of his books. He's, he's really a, a great person. He's a, he's, a, he's a believer. He's a good, good and godly man. And, and he, he was going through the same process. He was very wealthy. He's a very wealthy man. He had everything he ever, owned, ever wanted. He had everything he ever needed. It was lined up for him. And he asked himself this question. He said, why am I still so angry? Why am I still so angry? And he said so clearly that he realized, and God revealed this to him, that there was much more underneath the surface that was being pulled from that anger. That anger was coming from a source of hurt that was deep down in him. And he said he had to go through the process with a Christian counselor to allow God to reveal those things that were going on within himself. He had to allow himself to go through the process to allow God to reveal what was going on 
within himself. And it does this. He decided he was going to do whatever it takes to find out why he was so angry. And sometimes, you guys, we have to do the same thing. We do. We have to do the same thing. There's things we can do to do that. One of the things we can do is go to a counselor. We can go to a counselor, a Christian counselor who is trained with the scriptures to open up and to see what is going on, to allow God to come in and reveal, to shine light on areas that maybe we had hoped that would stay dark. For this particular guy, he grew up with an alcoholic father. He grew up with an alcoholic father, and when he grew up with the alcoholic father, there were things, even though his dad had become sober in his lifetime, even though his dad at the age, I think, of 16 or 17, had become sober and had never drank again. He was sober for 38, 37 years the rest of his life, and then he passed away recently. But he was sober. There were still those things that was within him where this anger resided, and he had to allow God to shine light on those things, and he was willing to do, here it is, whatever it takes to allow that to occur. See, the motivation, what was deep down, what was deep down within Judas was that he wanted those, that money. He wanted those funds. He had a desire. His desire for the money was more for, than the desire for Christ. And yet he was with him for almost three years. What does that teach you or tell you? It teaches you and tells you that you too can seem to be walking closely with Christ, but never allowing Christ to walk in you. Are you with me? You can be close to Christ. You can come to church every Sunday, but you have to allow Christ to get in you to do that. You have to accept him and then to allow him to begin to change from the inside out. And what happened with Judas was simply this, and it's what happens with us, is that anger results when our internal expectation doesn't match our external reality. A lot of form of anger is because our internal expectation doesn't match our external reality. Well, how does that play out? Here's how it plays out. In your mind, you play out a scenario of how things are going to work. You play out a scenario of what people think, what was going to happen, what he or she really meant, how it affected you, and on and on and on and on. You think, you think, you get angry because you think that someone else thinks something about you. Or you get angry, and in Judas's case, here's how it played out. Judas saw the perfume, and he was thinking, man, getting ready to write a big check this Sunday, big fat check, got perfume, she's going to donate that to the ministry. And I'm going to take that perfume and I'm going to sell it. And I'm going to get a year's wages. And I'm going to give the ministry about 50% and I'm going to keep 50% and it's going to be all good. Man, she's brought this offering. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And you can imagine as he sat and watched as she began to pour it and anoint Jesus. And you can see him going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why would you do that? That's a year's wages. That could take us so much further. Why are you doing that? And man, you can tell when Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. She's anointing me. 
for my burial. What she's doing is a greater thing. His expectations internally did not meet the reality of what happened. And that caused anger. And that's what causes anger in you and I too. It happens a lot in marriages. It does. The husband or the wife will have a scenario play out. I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking to me about when they first got married. They said when they first got married, they came home and they said they were expecting a, a hot cooked meal because they worked all day and their, and their wife was, was a homemaker. And so they came home and there was no food ready. And they said, hey, I, 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 just, I think I'll just eat cereal. And he was like, I don't want cereal. Why? And went off. Because they didn't want cereal. Didn't care what the wife had done all day. Didn't care anything about that. They didn't want cereal. And so they began to get angry. I can sense it when they were driving home. They were thinking, man, I wonder what it's going to be tonight. It's got to be the fried chicken. It's got to be the mashed taters. Going to be some biscuits too. I can't even wait. I'm starving. I've been working hard all day. I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. And you get in. And all of a sudden, tricks. <laughs> Lucky charms. Listen, y'all, when you want fried chicken and a biscuit, tricks and lucky charms ain't doing it. When you've been working hard all day, and instead of having a conversation, they went to Burger King. That's what they did. They went to Wendy's. That is our internal expectations not meeting the external reality. I had another preacher friend of mine one time that told me that he was, he said, you know, because I, I was talking to him and I was like, hey man, you know, this couple that I've been doing some counseling with, they're having some struggles, they're young, they're, you know, young and married, whatever. He said, well, tell them this story. He said, here's how big of an idiot I was. He said, my wife was, was not working at the time and he said, I came home from working a hard day's work and I came in and she didn't have anything cooked and he said, he said, I looked in and went and looked in the kitchen and I told her, I said, hey, why is there no food? What are you going to cook? And she thought, well, I'm, I'm just not going to cook anything. I thought we'd eat leftovers. And he said, I looked at her and I said, woman? That's what he said, woman. Had I said woman to Wendy, I would have probably less, one less eye and my cheekbone would have been broken. I'd have, I got a frying pan upside my head. Woman, you need to get in this kitchen and cook me some dinner. That's what he told her. He said, because that is all I'd ever seen. And he said, she let me know real quick who she was and who she wasn't. She was my wife. She wasn't my mama. And she let me know real quick. And he said, I wanted to get angry so much, but I look back now and look at what, what a fool I was. What a fool. I was so angry because my expectations that I had inside, this dialogue that I had inside, the, the external was not matching up. And because of that, I, I got angry. Can I tell you something, you guys? You guys can't control someone else's behavior. You can't. And if you're constantly relying your emotions on how someone else acts, then you are not someone that, in my opinion, is following Christ close enough. Because we, we, are, we are someone who is uniquely 
and godly made. We are made in the image of Christ. And our, listen, our internal dialogue is between us and God. He gives us our value. You don't have to get your value from other people. You don't have to get, all you do, you have to make sure that you are connected to the source. Connected to the source. The final thing is this, and I want to go over it kind of, kind of thorough with you, is this. Unbiblical anger, you guys, is dangerous. I want you to hear that. Unbiblical anger is dangerous. And you may think, unbiblical anger? Is there biblical anger? I'm glad you ask. In Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, here's what it says. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are, all, while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Listen, we can be angry, I want you to hear this, and sin not. We can be angry and sin not. Anger, anger is an emotion just like all the other emotions. The issue is, is when you take it, and you take it to the extreme, and you allow yourself to sin in your anger. Y'all listen, anger is dangerous for you, with your relationship with God. It is. Anger damages your relationship with God. How is that? Can I tell you how it is? Here's how it is. It is virtually impossible to have a connection with God on a deeper level if you are dealing with anger all the time. If you're walking around angry, it is virtually impossible to connect with God. It's, listen, our, one of the things we do is, is we read our text and we read our scriptures. We read the Bible. We read the Bible and we read God's word. God's word only comes off the page into our brain and not into our heart because we have this anger that's taking up that spot deep within us. And God can penetrate that if you allow him to. But if you constantly walk around with that anger, it is almost impossible to connect with God. As a matter of fact, there's a scene that plays out in Matthew chapter 5. If we can bring that text up, Matthew chapter 5. It says this, it says, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember, get this, that someone has something against you. Are you with me? Someone has something against you. If you're angry with someone and someone's angry with you and there's some kind of conflict, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. And it says, then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. I'm going to tell you what he's really saying. He's saying this. Listen, if you're angry and quarreling with people and someone's got something against you and you got something against someone else, God's saying this. He's saying, listen, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you until you do what I ask you to do to begin with. And I know that you know enough of the text in the scripture to understand that what God wants us to do is reconcile with those whom we are angry or angry with people that are angry with us. The best we can, the best we can, we have to close that chapter and then come in and connect with God. That's what he wants us to do. Unbiblical anger is dangerous for your relationship with God. 
I have never in my life, and there's been a couple of times on Sundays when I've preached whenever Wendy and I have had a discussion. Y'all with me? And it's always awful and it's always impossible and I'm giving lip service and I hate it. And literally I'm up here and I'm teaching at, at times. Uh, you know, we've only done it like once or twice. I, I, recently it was like, I don't know, a year ago and I was like, I'm never doing this again because I was up here talking and I felt like it was worthless and I felt like all God was saying was, was you're, you shouldn't have said what you said and you owe her apology and on and on and on and on and on. It's impossible for us to connect if we are constantly angry. It's also un, uh, unbiblical anger is bad for our relationship with other people. Do you guys know one of the biggest relationship killers is anger? We get mad, we say something we shouldn't, suddenly we have to apologize and try to make up and on and on and on. That's what happens. It's one of the biggest relationship killers. It really is. And most of the time we don't deal with those things. Most of the time if we're angry about something, it's almost like we get into a cycle. We, we get angry and, and we just kind of leave things laying there. Instead of dealing with them, doing whatever it takes to deal with your anger, we leave it laying there. And here's what happens. There's a story, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story, but there's a story that one of the biggest issues that they had in Europe in the 80s and the 90s, all over Europe, and there's still some today, but people were getting killed or getting hurt. And you know what they were getting hurt and killed by? They were getting hurt and killed by unexploded bombs that had been, had been sent and had been shot during World War II. They would walk across or they would drive across and the bomb would blow up. It was unexploded bombs. During, all across Europe. All across Europe. Here's the thing I want you guys to understand. When you don't deal with that anger that you have, when you don't deal with it, all you're doing is leaving little bombs all over your life. And when you drive up, when something happens, it's like you step on that and all of a sudden, <laughs> the whole thing blows up. That's what happens. It's the same thing. And you leave all these things all over the place. And here's the worst part. Listen, here's the worst part. This is the worst part of all is for our relationships. Is that the person you're with or the people that you're around, most of them won't tell you this, but they live their life doing this. Having to walk around, not want to say anything that's going to make you mad. Because if they do, you may go off. That's how they walk around. Unbiblical anger is very dangerous, not only for your relationship with God, but also your relationship with others. Finally, it's, it's, it's very unhealthy for your health. Guess how long it takes for you when you get angry? Guess how long it takes for your body to come back to normal? Five hours. Five hours. Your body is in a, in a state, your blood pressure goes up, you have anxiety, and on and on and on. Five hours, and you go off, you think you're back to normal? No, your body doesn't. Five hours to go back to the state it was in beforehand. Five hours. Unbiblical anger is also bad for you spiritually. I call it the guilt circle, where you do well, you mess up. That fades, and then you start over. 
you're at this point, you kind of mess up. You're doing well, you mess up. And then all of a sudden it kind of fades from here and then you start over. And what that does is it brings about guilt that's not from God. It brings about guilt where you have to live with guilt and you're dealing with the guilt more than you're connecting with God. And so spiritually, so spiritually it damages you. What's God's plan for this? Well, let me give you some practical applications that we have. I think we have the, I'm going to have these up on the screen. The first thing is this, and this is why we call ourselves a real church. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. If you're not willing to be honest with yourself that you've got some kind of problem, if you're not willing to be honest with yourself, you can stop right there. Because God wants us to be transparent about things. He wants us to be transparent about, about these, these things uh, that, are, that are drawing us away from Him or that are holding us back spiritually. And I want to give you a little secret. Um, if you are confused about whether or not you have a problem and if you're married, just ask your spouse. They'll let you know. Now, don't get mad at them when they do. They'll let you know. They'll let you know. They'll tell you, hey, listen, yeah, you're angry a lot. You really are. You're angry a lot. The second thing is this, seek counseling if necessary. I'm really excited about a couple weeks from now because next week's topic is going to be, next week's topic is going to be why do bad things happen to good people? And that's part one. And then part two, part two of that is going to be why do bad things happen to people, part two, and what can you do about it? And I'm so excited because Dr. Gretchen Peacock is going to be here from the Christian Counseling Center She's going to be here uh, to, to, I'm going to interview her and we're going to, she's going to talk to us about the importance, the importance of not just counseling, but the importance of biblical counseling, counseling that incorporates the scripture and opens up, listen, opens up to the healer who is the true healer, the healer that can heal those things that are within us. And I'm excited, I'm excited to hear from her, but we have to be willing to do that. We just have to let the pride go, and we have to do it. The next thing is probably the first thing, and it's this. Allow God into that area of your life. Allow God into that area of your life. How do you do that? Here's how you do it. It's very simple. Sometime today, if this is something you're dealing with, you literally get by yourself somewhere and you get on your hands and knees and you say, God, this area in my life is one that I can't deal with anymore. And it's an area and it's an issue that has, has, has messed me up for so long. And a lot of what Pastor Barry was saying was true or, you know, I, I need you to help me in this area. I need you to show me what I need to do in this area. Because the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of us, a lot of us, we don't have the power to change ourselves. As a matter of fact, let me go on record. Let me just go ahead and let you guys know this. None of you have the power to change yourself. None of you. Zero. Zero. You may think you do, but you don't. It is God who gives the power to change and we walk it out. We have to let God in another area. And then what I would encourage you to do after that is open, just listen. Hey, he gave you, he gave you a whole lot of information here, a whole lot of text here, 
I was just playing around last night, Googling around, because I was thinking, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder how many texts, you know, in the Bible, I wonder how many, how many verses in this Bible deal with anger. Uh, there's a lot. You, you can just go to Proverbs and pitch a tent there and, and live there for five, six weeks. Because Proverbs is going to tell you. It's going to tell you. It's going to tell you this. It's going to say, listen, if you've got friends that struggle with anger, you might ought to disconnect with them for a while until you can get yourself where you need to be. If you've got friends, because you know how it is when you get around other people that deal with anger, they're not going to deal with their issue. You're not going to deal with your issue. And so you both just kind of feed off each other. And it's just a big old, big old pot of anger. Just stirring it every time you go, oh, that person did that or this person did that. You have, but listen, and here's, here's the crazy part. You pray and ask God, and you continually do that. You allow the word to come in, and Holy Spirit, I was talking to a friend of mine this week about this. Holy Spirit does work through God's word to your heart. And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at the changes in your life that will occur. When you open yourself up to God and let him in on part of this. Let him, let him do his part in this, which is the change part. That's why, that's why the scripture says this. It says, listen, I want you to understand something. My, my yoke, what I'm trying to teach you here, my yoke, Jesus' yoke, it's easy. And the burden you're going to carry is light because he carries the burden of change in you. And you just have to walk it out. You have to submit and be, be willing to do it. The next thing is realize it's a process. Here's a little hint I want you to hear. And I know this kind of blows the cover off God here, but here's a little hint. Most of us, most of us want to grow spiritually. But a lot of us don't want to go through the process to grow spiritually. And guess when God grows you the most spiritually? Through processes like I'm talking about right now. It's through the pain of identifying and addressing the anger. That's when he grows you the most spiritually. And once you're through it, you'll look back and go, wow, I'm not the same person I was before. I'm different. I'm different. I'm not the same person that I was before. I'm not the same one. Listen, with that being said, (laughs) don't expect everyone around you to truly believe that you've changed until a lot of time has passed. Don't, don't, don't expect everyone to believe that you've changed until a lot of time has passed. I've told the story before where I went to play golf with my brother. Now listen, when I was 15 or 16 years old, when I would play golf, I would throw a club or three. Okay? I would. I told you I was a ginger, right? No, seriously. I would, I would get angry. I would hit the ground because I stunk at golf. I just was terrible. I still stink at golf. I don't throw clubs anymore, but I still stink at golf. Um, but we were going to go play golf with my, my brother and I were going to go play golf with his son and his son's buddy. And his son's buddy is a little uppity. Are you with me? It was at a nice golf course. So my brother, now mind you, y'all, listen, I'm a pastor. I was, I was a pastor. It was like five or six years ago. I was a pastor of this church. I was a pastor, you know. My brother hadn't played golf with me in a long time, though. And he says this, he says, hey, listen, he said, 
hey, man, we're going to be in a nice, nice club, okay? It's nice. I said, yeah, man, it looks good. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. He said, ah, listen, man. He said, uh, um, don't, uh, don't get mad and throw your clubs. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, Jimmy, I, I haven't. I, I haven't thrown a club since I was like 15 or 16 years old. Oh, no, I remember in high school you used to throw clubs. Okay, I remember in high school when you used to do things too, but I'm not going to call you out on it. And he was like, oh, just, just, just don't throw your club. I said, dude, I, I'm not going to throw the club. Third hole. <laughs> now, this is a funny story because third hole. We're playing. I hit a pretty good shot. My brother Jimmy hit a pretty good shot. My nephew's friend hit a good shot. My nephew, who is my brother's son, did not hit a good shot. It was the fourth or fifth bad shot he had hit. And can I tell you the joy that came over me when he took and slung that club? (laughs) I was so happy. And my eyes just slowly moved over to my brother's eyes. And he goes, I don't know why he does that. I said, I know why he does it. Because you're his dad. That's why he does it. It's all your fault, son. It's all your fault. All your fault, Jimmy. Don't expect people to think you to change overnight. And here it is. The final thing is, is don't allow it to become your identity. So many of us, because we're blunt or because we get angry or because people just, you just kind of take it on as a banner. Just like I said about the ginger, you know, oh my, well, I'm a ginger. I'm a ginger. I got a temper. No, can I tell you something? No, you're, you're not a ginger. Let me tell you what you are. You are a child of God. And your identity is not found in your anger or other, your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. That's your identity. And what you do is, is you continually connect with God and become who God had in mind when he created you. And let me just say something. Who God had in mind was not someone that was walking around angry all the time. So I'm saved, but why am I still angry? Well, that's something you're going to have to work with God on. And do whatever it takes to move past and let him change you from the inside out. But here's the cool part. He'll do it if you let him. He'll do it if you let him. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I'm so thankful that even though I too struggle in this area of anger, that your grace is sufficient for me. I am so thankful that your grace is sufficient for me. I'm thankful that you love me enough to come and walk with me and guide me and direct me and counsel me. Lord, I'm so thankful that you do that. I'm so thankful that you love me enough to pull me toward changing, to push me toward holiness, to to give an example for me to follow. And so, God, I pray for our people here that if they're dealing with these things, if they're dealing with anger, if they're dealing with other emotions that are unhealthy, that are making them numb to being compassionate, making them numb to being kind, making them numb from following you, making them numb. Lord, I pray that anything that comes between you and them, God, that you would address with them, that you would draw them to you, that you would cause them this afternoon to fall on their knees and say, listen, I 
can't do this, God. I need you to come and give me the power to change. And if you will do that, I will walk it out. Lord, I'm so thankful for your renewal. And I'm so thankful that we die to ourselves every day. Let us be people that will do whatever it takes and humble ourselves so that you, so that we can be raised up, but not in our own strength, but in your strength. It's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Let's stand up and have a final worship song this morning. The altar is always open. I invite you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you. If there's things that you're dealing with, if there's a concern that you have, I'd love to pray with you. Our people are famous here for not letting anyone come to the altar by themselves. And so if you want to hit the altar, you will soon have a hand on your back that's praying for you in that don't leave and take these things with you when you go. Leave them here and leave them with God. Let's sing the final song. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.